Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Joshua chapter 9, verse 3. We're going to do it really fast. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence, dwelling under the shadow of the Most High. The only reason there's a shadow is because there's a real being, and we worship the real and living God, and uh, we thank you for your presence, Father. Uh, honor us in this time of ministry and uh, release your, your, your teaching anointing, and we'll give you all the honor and glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 9, verse 3, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho at Ai. We see here that Joshua is gaining momentum. He had defeated the... Jericho is actually one of the oldest cities of all civilization. I mean, Jericho dates back thousands of of years. And uh, for the Israelites to defeat, really, a nation that was the center of ancient civilization was was huge. Uh, He came out and he defeated... Jericho, but then he also defeated Ai. So the neighboring kings and townships and cities, they saw momentum developing, and Joshua was kicking butt and taking no names. I mean, he was just doing his things, and because of that, people, you know, they got frightened. They got frightened. You know, he's coming in our direction. What are we going to do? So Scripture says that the Gibeonites, or the folks that God had commanded them to conquer next, resorted to a ruse. A ruse is a, or ruse is a, a trick, okay? Let's put that in regular English. But here's the deal. If the devil cannot muscle you, he will hustle you, okay? And at that point, Satan understood that he was defeated, that he couldn't fight back and win. So he went to what he goes to with us today. He couldn't, again, muscle him, so he began to what? hustle them. He's no match against kingdom power. The, the only real strategy in Satan's arsenal against a believer is deception. If he can trick you, he can get you. But if you stay on the truth, that, that's a whole different ballgame. But again, let, let me say, if, if I was very, let, let's say, you know, I'm just this dominating, powerful man, and I want to take someone's purse, Listen, if I'm just that big and powerful and I got a big old army behind me and, and I, I'm running the city, I don't have to kind of make you turn the other way to snatch your purse. I walk right up to you, snatch your purse, say, what you going to do? There's no need for deception. The fact that Satan has to try to deceive you should be a hint, should be an indication that he's not operating with the level of power you thought up to this point. Jesus is the truth. He went, he was no secrets. He would come and tell you, listen, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross, you know, and, and follow me. There was no, no deception because he had genuine power. Uh, truth and God was on his side. So, you know, when God's for you, you don't have to be slippery and, and, and all the rest. Let, let's take a look real quick at uh, uh, Colossians 2 and 15. 2 and 15. It speaks of, of Jesus. Let me just say this again. Satan is no match against kingdom, power, and authority. His only real strategy is deception to make you think. See, what did he, why didn't the children of Israel enter the promised land? Not because the devil blocked them, but because they got in their heads. They thought they were grasshoppers. 
And because they thought they were grasshoppers and the land was full of giants and would swallow them up, God wouldn't let them go. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So Satan can get you, even though you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, all those things, if he can get you to think a certain way, he got you. So Satan, he can't stop us, so he tries to deceive us. He tries to get into our heads, making us think we can't do what God said we could do. Colossians 2 and 15 puts it this way. Jesus in the gospel calls Satan the father of lies. Again, if no reason to resort to lies when you have absolute power. Colossians 2 and 15. In having disarmed the powers and authorities, one translation says having stripped all demonic forces of their power. That's what the cross did. It stripped Satan of all his power. But then Satan comes to deceive you thinking that he has, making you think he has more power than he does. Why do we have to sing songs like magnify the Lord? Why? Because God knows we shrink, the devil works all day to shrink God in our thinking. God can, you know, we make God this big, but the devil and our circumstance and the rest is huge. And what we have to do is, you can't make God any larger. But in your heart, we need to magnify him, bring him back to his, his, his proper uh, size, and, 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 you know, he fills the whole universe. And when you magnify God, what happens? Your problems get, get smaller. It says here, and having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public, did it say public? Meaning Jesus' victory was not in some side alley somewhere. Everyone who lived in the realm of the spirit, every demon who has ever existed, demons are not being born. God's not creating more demons. The the demons that fell with Satan were all the demons that will ever be. Every demon that exists, existed 2,000 years ago. And they watched Jesus whip the devil completely. Not only did he whip him, he snatched the keys. But listen, we'll be here a long time when we start to talk about these types of things. But the demon you're messing with, by the way, watched Jesus at the cross. The demon you're messing with right now watched Jesus rise from the grave. Now, the devil knows it happens. He's trying to convince you that it didn't happen. If he could get you to think that, that, that he has more power. Are, are you hearing me? If the devil has more power, he got you. But the devil knows. The Bible says here, he made a public spectacle of them, meaning everybody in the spirit realm, angels and demons alike, saw Jesus take all authority back from the devil that was given to him through Adam and triumphed over them. Did it say that he, he won? No, triumph is a bigger word. A a triumph is, you know, you can win a battle by the skin of your teeth, but a triumphal procession is not only when you win the battle, but you strip the soldiers you fought against of all their clothes, all their weapons, catch me, weapons, everything. They are stark, they are naked. And then you go into your city with all of the defeated soldiers behind you naked, no armor, no nothing. Satan doesn't even have armor. He just has deception to make you think he's armed. It said he triumphed over them by the cross, meaning in the spirit realm, Jesus marched all the demonic forces. They had to follow behind him naked with no weapons, and he pointed to every angel and said, listen, I whipped them. They will never come back. Are you hearing me? And now they will become our slaves. They're subject to us. And that's what Roman uh, uh, generals did. They would have a triumphant entry into a city after a major victory. And again, everyone's, uh, you know, stripped of their armor. And and it takes all the fear out of the people who were fighting. 
because, you know, they loom large in their big outfits and, and there was a whole bunch of them coming. But when you see them stripped and weak and muddy and dirty and, and, and walking like this with chains on their feet, all of a sudden all fear is gone. And when Jesus rose from the, the dead, his intention was to wipe out all fear in our hearts. Are you hearing me? By stating Satan has been totally whipped. Are you hearing me? But the thing is, we, we, we have to stop permitting the devil to make himself so large and God so small. You're reading the Gospel of Mark, and that's really appropriate for the statement I just made, because in the Gospel of Mark, again, he's quick and, and he says things very, very clearly. But at the early chapters, you see him casting out demons as much, if not more, than healing. Why did he do that? He was trying to show people, in my name, you have absolute authority over the, the devil. He says to his disciples, I give you power over all the power of all, did it say that? All the power of the devil. So what must the devil do to get us defeated? Lie to us. Have you ever heard the story of the, 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 the great African elephant that was pegged as a baby to a, a little chain to a peg uh, and, and, and circus keepers, you know, uh, uh, would, would carry this, this little animal around, use him in his circuses, and, and when it was little, it would, you know, chain him to this peg so the elephant couldn't even move more than... Uh, uh, five to ten feet from, from the peg. But then, you know, over the, the, I don't remember how many years, but over some years, the elephant got huge, full-grown, beautiful African elephant, huge tusk, just powerful uh, a creature. But you know what? They no longer had to, to, you know, initially, man, it was a strong peg holding that baby elephant. But they could take just a little hammer and a peg this big, pound it in the ground, and the elephant would not try to leave. It was conditioned in his mind that it couldn't get out. It couldn't break free. And what Satan does, he knows you got a new spirit, but you got the old mind. And things you couldn't defeat before you met Jesus, he, he keeps playing it over in your mind. You'll never get free. You'll never get past. You'll never get over this thing. But if you would just one time, are you him? Just one time, put your weight behind trying to get free from that thing that used to have you bound when you were a baby you will discover that Satan has no real hold over you anymore. But it's, it's little games he plays in our head and our, our minds. Joshua 9 and 4. The Gibeonites went as a delegation. Their donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. Now, this is a ruse, meaning they're trying to trick them, trying to deceive them. And uh, basically what they did is they found a whole bunch of old stuff and uh, put it on the donkeys and mules, and they acted like they came from a long journey, meaning they, they acted like they didn't live there, so, you know, Joshua uh, wouldn't try to, 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 to kill them. It goes on to say, they put worn out and patched sandals on their feet and, and worn out clothes, so, so, you know, they perpetrate. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. I mean, they, they went to some lengths here. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country. Is that what it said? So they're lying. Again, they could not defeat him, so what did they have to resort to? A ruse or a lie. Satan cannot defeat you, so all he could do is lie to you. Try to convince you and, and keep saying things and hoping repetition will finally get you to believe the thing that you know you ought not to believe. It says here, they said, we've come from a distant country, so make a treaty with us. This is the problem. 
The Israelites looked at the supposed facts, but they did not look to God. And in your life, you have some supposed facts. Maybe the fact is, you know, that, that you, you, you don't have enough money, but the scripture says, and my God shall meet all of your needs according to your, his riches and glory. That's a fact, but here's the truth. And what happened here is the children of Israel settled for certain facts. And they did not inquire of the Lord. What does the word of God say about my situation? Okay, the doctor says you have cancer. Fine, that's a fact. But the truth is he bore our infirmities. Are you hearing me? And by his stripes I am healed. Think it's Psalms 103 says he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. You say, well, I'm tired and I feel like throwing in a towel. I understand. I sympathize. That is a fact. But let me tell you the truth is. The truth is, he that waits on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagle. They'll run, not grow weary. Are you hearing? They'll walk and not faint. That's the truth. But Joshua began to look at the facts instead of the truth. But Joshua's like many of us. We're looking at the facts and not the truth. The truth is, based on what we talked about earlier, when God gives you that number, the facts are, you know what? I can't do that. But here's the truth. He who supplies seed to the sower, are you hearing me, will increase your harvest of seed and righteousness. God will supply. The facts are this, but God's over here. The facts were Jesus died on a Friday night. The facts were when people die, they stay dead. But here's the truth. Jesus predicted to his disciples not only that he would die, but that he would rise again. So you had to believe a truth in order to really be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a Christian. How many of you believe the truth or your circumstances? Joshua got trapped here looking with his eyeballs instead of his heart. And we have to be very, very careful about doing that. The Israelites, the Bible says, sampled their provisions. So obviously they were a little bit suspicious, but not suspicious enough. And, you know, just like, you know, many of us here, you want to hear God, but maybe you don't want to hear him enough. You don't want to hear him enough to do what you really need to do to get that word from God that's going to save your life. You say, why do we do this 21-day consecration at the beginning of every year? So we could begin to hear God before we make that mistake. It's a time set apart, not, not to impress God, not to try to prove him with our hunger or anything else. It's saying, listen, Lord, I'm serious about you, and my life's going to be an illustrative prayer. Everything I do this week is going to illustrate my need and my desire for you. Father, what I'm going to do and what I did last week, I fed my spirit all week. We went through a, a half the book of Mark. Uh, Father, I was just uh, watching Christian tell. I was listening to CDs. I was worshiping you. And Father, I positioned myself to hear your voice. And because I'm strong on the inside and, and I strengthen my inner man, I believe I'm going to hear better. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I positioned myself to hear. Now, now, now this week, you know what I'm doing, Father? I, I need more fruit in my life. God, you know, I, I, I pray a lot. I want a lot. But, but I need to see more fruit. I need to see more results. I need to, to see more stuff manifest in my life. So God, you know what? I'm staying away from fruit this week. I, I mean, sorry, all I'm eating is fruit this week because that's what I'm calling for in my life. And you know what, God? I want you to use me to make me a fisherman. There's some folks that just need to get saved in my neighborhood, on my job, in my family. Use me to your glory. So you know what? I'm just eating fish this week, God, reflecting what I'm calling for in my life. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and what happens is, and, and the next week we go on and we get a little more, more intense uh, by, by the end. Now, we used to fast for a whole seven days. I felt this year, I felt like God was saying, I don't want you to credit the fast for what I do. So I want you to limit the fast. And I, I'm watching people, you know, I had to watch a lot of television this week. Uh, uh, good guy, he's saying, you know what, the reason our church is growing because our 21-day fast every year. I say, you know what, 
think the reason your church is going, maybe because of God. <laughs> not, not your fast, maybe God, but, but yeah, your fasting positioned you to hear from God. But what God does, I don't want to be t- saying, you know, well, it's our 21-day, you know, fat. No, no, it, it, it's the fact that we, we, when we pull aside and, and, and we set ourselves up, you know, it, it's one thing for me to go home, but when my wife's waiting for me, that's different. Every day I go into my house, but, but, she, when, she, when, when, but when she, forgive me for being a little bit mature, but when she has that look in her eye and you know she's, she's wearing a certain garment, you know she's waiting for you to get home. It, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, I'm glad to... to. <laughs> I was like, why did I let them delay at the office? You know, man, I need to get here a little bit earlier. The same thing with God. Oh, he, he, that, that smile would break out because we position ourselves to hear from him, to receive his word in our hearts. And, and, every, and what we need to do, again, is position ourselves to hear before we make the mistakes. That's why we do it on the front end of the year, instead of trying to fix the stuff because we didn't hear. It says here, the Israelites sampled their provisions. Now, whenever we trust our senses over God's guidance, we are making a deal with the devil. And Joshua, he's a great man of God, but watch what he does. And I know you're anointed and powerful, but you can do the same thing if uh, you don't learn from this passage today. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. What they saw with their eyes was enough. They didn't seek God. I, I, I always say I think I'd be on my 17th marriage if I married based on my eyes. There were lots of women that looked good, but I get an uh-uh in my heart. I'm like, God, what's wrong with you? I mean, that, that, that looked perfect. And, and from 20, I didn't get married till I was 28. And at 28, finally, I, I went into to Sally's Beauty Supply, and in the last service, they asked me, what were you doing in Sally's Beauty Supply business? <laughs> I was giving Karen a ride and another lady a ride to the beauty store, and um, uh, I was the only one with a car at that time. And um, they were taking too long. And, and if you know me, I get a little impatient sometimes. So I just, I, I went in and I just, you know, what are you guys doing? But then there's this little, little lady standing with a little smock on, a little pink, you know, fuchsia color smock. <laughs> and I looked at her. And see, here's the deal. You, you can't just look with your eyes. You have to look with your heart. But I do have to confess, I did look with my eyes at first. <laughs> but there was this thing that stuck. You know, I mean, okay, your kid comes home with a problem. You have to say, Lord, what's the real issue behind the problem? Your, your, your wife, husband, has an adjective. God, what's the real issue? We have to learn to inquire of the Lord. He said, lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. What? Acknowledge him. And that means inquire of the Lord. And what he happened, he trusted in his own eyesight. And that's what we do. We look at our bank account. We look at what the doctor says. We look at various things and we say, well, these are the facts. This is what it is. Okay. I'm, no, 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 no. Have you inquired of the Lord, or are you believing a lie? Are you hearing me? These men were lying, but the facts seem to support their lie. And the devil is a master at lying, and he will manufacture all types of facts to support the lie. You are nobody. You're no good. He'll raise up 16 people to walk across your path to, to, to confirm that word, saying you are nobody. You're no good. Matter of fact, many of them are your relatives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he'll just move them to prophesy. They didn't feel it as prophesied. They thought it was just a phone call. But you hear what I'm saying? The devil got lots of stuff to work with. Fifteen. It says here, then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let them what? The Gibeonites got charged to kill, but he made a covenant with them so he couldn't kill them. And here's the deal. We enter in the wrong covenants. Some of y'all are married, the wrong person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All because you didn't inquire of God. 
You look with your eyeballs, but guess what? Your eyes can only see so far. You can't see your heart. And you say, well, you know what, Bishop? I'm going to take that word, and now I'm divorcing my wife because it was the wrong person. No. When you, when you read the rest of the chapter, what happens is after he makes this contract with the, this treaty with the Gibeonites, uh, another people attract, attack the Gibeonites, and Joshua rises up to their defense. He made an agreement with them. It was a covenant. And in spite of the fact he was tricked into it, he still honored the covenant. And, and, and Scripture says, you know, the righteous, they'll swear to their hurt and change not. We must learn to keep our word. Okay, maybe you made the covenant wrong. Maybe you did it all wrong, but still God could find a way to make it work. He's God. Are you hearing what, what I'm saying? So, amen. So he rose up and he defended the Gibeonite. That, that helps me because it says, you know, even when I do something wrong, my Jesus, he'll rise to my aid. Are you hearing me? Even if I deceived, if I tricked, uh, I'm in covenant with the most high God through Jesus Christ. His blood is, is our covenant between us. And even now, I'm not mess, trying to do wrong just to do wrong because the Gibeonites uh, got in trouble for it. And actually, they became servants to the Israelites. So there, there were some consequences. But the point is, still, be, based on the covenant, not their morality, God saved them. And you know what? I'm not going to trust in my own righteousness. I'm going to trust in his blood. And no matter the mess I find myself in or you find yourself in, we can trust our covenant partner to show up because he's faithful. It says here, then Joshua made a uh, a treaty of peace with them and let them what? Live. All because Joshua didn't take time out to listen. That's why we're doing this. It's not to prove a point. Um, You know, if you make a mistake, have a little bit of sugar. That's not the point. It's it's the point, Lord. Sugar represents distractions, things that you know, kind of fill us up and satisfy us, but don't really give us anything good. And, and you know what, Lord? I'm just not looking for cute and comfortable. I want truth, even if it's hard. And so I'm going to put the sugar away a little bit. You, you hear what I'm saying? But, but you know, if, if you're about to eat a bowl of cereal, you might need a little bit of sugar, you know, maybe, you know, but, but, but you understand the point. Um, the heart of it is, Father, we're separating and consecrating ourselves. And the leaders of the assembly, what did they do? Ratified it by the what? Oh. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.